0: Hey, howdy, hey. Welcome back to the Moto Noobs Moto GP podcast. My name is Trent. I'm here with Amanda. Hi. And we are here today on episode three to cover round three of the 2017 Moto GP uh, season uh, in Texas, the only round in North America in the US of A. And let's start it off. Uh, Amanda, you want to tell us a little bit about the pre, pre, pre race uh, press conference?
1: Yes. So, my. um. This year, they've introduced this new fun segment where they post on social media asking for fans to post their questions for the writer. And they pick one for each of the writers that will be interviewed in the um, pre-race press conference. And I am in love with this segment because it is hilarious. It just it's fun and random questions that get thrown to the writers are just fun. Um this time Alvaro Bartista Bautista, excuse me, um was proposed to by his girlfriend. Really? Um yeah. <laughs> well, turns out he had actually proposed to her uh before he went to Argentina, but that was still her question that they posed to him. Um <laughs> so he Blushed all kinds of red. It was great. Um, they asked. Um, last time they they asked. Um, Vigna, no. Valentino Rossi, if he wanted to skydive with Jack Miller, who rides Honda, or be in a high speed car chase with Cal Crutchlow driving. And of course, he said he would rather um, <laughs> skydive with Jack Miller. And so then the the question for Cal was, um, which he would like, what would he he choose? And he said the same thing that he no one should ever be in a high speed car chase with him. Which but I thought was what? wasn't
0: he the one that posed that question to Rossi last week? No, no. What was no the, he? Cause... He's he was the, the one, one who had written in a question to somebody last week, and I don't Divizioso. remember what it was or to who. Div-
1: to Divizioso.
0: Which one was that?
1: Um, it was the question of if you had to choose a to- teammate, who would you choose?
0: Oh okay. Oh yeah, uh, that's that's really Machiavellian. I love that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, yeah, it's just really fun to see, um, how the writers are, um. Like it's just really fun to to hear their random responses to um what you know, they're these just random questions.
0: Oh yeah, and for the most part, they're all really funny guys. Oh we yeah. We just see them when they're at the peak of competition and intensity. <laughs>
1: the other thing that Valentino Rossi said in the press conference was someone asked him if he would ever I guess there's an F one driver that's switching to NASCAR. I, okay. I didn't Anyway, they were asking if um, Valentino Rossi would ever drive during the 24-hour race at Le Mans, and he huh. laughed and said that the Le Mans track is too short and 24 hours is too long. Which um, that's I,
0: hilarious because the Le Mans yeah. track is eight and a half miles. I know, uh, but
1: it it was just okay. really funny.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I would be really curious to see how a guy of his... Obviously, he's a formidable human being, but I'm genuinely curious. I I think it's such a different skill set of but going very, very quickly of... in a car versus a bike. I don't know.
1: That's true, but he, I don't know how he much wins does a lot of the um the the rally races that he, does, he drives.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I'll give him that.
1: Maybe as an old man, he'll become a car driver.
0: You know, that... I would love to see that, honestly. <laughs> I think that would be really cool to see, even after he's out of uh, MotoGP, to see the goat going off and doing his strutting stuff elsewhere. He'd have
1: a following.
0: He definitely would. Half
1: the world would follow him.
0: The color yellow as well. <laughs> um, True. All right, I think this takes us into our the biggest story of this weekend, the Clash of the Titans. Mark Marquez, the reigning world champion on the Repsol Honda up against his new rival, Maverick Vinales, Top Gun Vinales, who has Mm -hmm. won the previous two races of the season, who's been absolutely flawless all offseason in testing in every qualifying session. The guy is a robot. He's a Terminator, not a Top Gun. And we have been just waiting, dying, because we haven't seen them go head-to-head yet. We've never seen them trade paint, go wheel-to-wheel out on the track in any of the sessions. And finally, coming to Texas, this is Marquez territory. This is where he lives. He has won this race by a mile ever since this track was added to the calendar. Before that, in his younger days, in Moto2 and Moto3, he won all the U.S. rounds of those championships as well. The U.S. is where Marquez shines for whatever reason. That track, the Circuit of the Americas, is one of the ones where the Honda really is the best. The Honda does its best work on the American track.
1: I like to think it's the time zone.
0: It could be um, <laughs> at any rate, but you've got Vinales, who's just been flawless. So coming into the uh, coming into the pre-race, in all of the free practice sessions, Marquez would set the fastest lap, then Vinales would be best it by a tenth, and then Marquez, then Vinales, then Marquez, then Vinales. We get into qualifying. They, of course, got the pass straight to the second qualifying session, being the quickest guys out there. And as you can imagine, they go around and they're setting fastest lap, fastest lap, fastest lap, fastest lap. Finally, the flag drops, the ending flag. Vinales comes around just blistering, fantastic last lap time. A full, what was it, six-tenths of a second faster than anybody else, which is— I think so. In qualifying, that's huge. I mean, only one lap difference. These guys are all so close that six-tenths might as well be a mile. Then, not 20 seconds afterwards, Marquez comes back. And beats into the pole by a tenth of a second. Now, looking at the sector times, the the commentators, the people who run the track, they divide each track into four sectors, four sections, to help us get an idea of where they're strong, where they're not so strong, and how their laps are progressing to see if maybe they are going to have a good lap, maybe they won't. It gives us a little bit more uh, data while things are going on, especially on a longer track like the Circuit of the Americas. It's a lot longer than many of the other tracks on the calendar. Uh, which did contribute to riders getting fewer laps in in qualifying. They had fewer chances to set a quick one. Um, Now, with that difference of a tenth of a second between those guys, when you look at the sector times, Vinales, he was quicker, in I believe it was sectors one and four, but then Marquez was quicker in sector two and three. Nope, nope, I got that backwards. (laughs) I got that backwards. Vinales, Top Gun Vinales on the Yamaha was quicker in sectors two and three, lots of windy bits, but that Honda really, really shredded stuff on sectors one and four. So I was looking forward to just seeing Marquez surge ahead at the beginning of the lap, and then Vinales come back and pass him, and then Marquez pass him back at the end of the lap. And I was just looking forward to this. It was going to be great with Marquez on pole and Vinales qualifying in second, right next to him on the front row of the third of the U.S. Grand Prix. It was going to be. Fantastic. Then the lights went out, the race started, and oddly enough, Danny Pedrosa from fourth place surges, on, surges into lead, gets the whole shot going to turn one, led several laps. It was uh, some of it really great racing from, on his part. Unfortunately, he uh, wasn't able to hold on to it. But then heartbreak came. Heartbreak came to all of us. We as fans were robbed because Maverick Vinales from fourth, the positions got all mixed up there, crashed out on the second lap. He, We did not get the showdown. We never saw uh, Marquez next to Vinales. We still haven't seen them duel it out. But fortunately for the championship, Marquez was able to take the race home, which brought the gap a lot closer. After all, Marquez had only finished in fourth place in Qatar and then was DNF due to a crash in Argentina. So this 25 points really brings him back into contention. Um... Let's see. What else do I need to cover on that? So we <laughs> we almost had the we almost had the battle of titans, and it's going to happen eventually. But let's face it, real world does get in the way. And in post race interview, Vinales was, of course, asked about the quat, crash, and he said pretty clearly, "I don't know what happened. I don't think it was me." He said he was not really pushing. He wasn't pushing over the limit, so it wasn't really his fault. Granted, that sounds kind of like a racer's excuse for, oh, I didn't really crash. It was couldn't have been me because of this, and he blamed a number of other factors, a combination of maybe tire bits or bumpy that or a less grippy patch of the track all combined and conspired against him to take him out. Um, in any case, he had the same luck that Marquez had a couple of weeks ago in Argentina and was just eliminated. No points for Maverick Vinales on the Yamaha here in Texas. Marquez... Finally got his place back in the championship standings. A lot of people were writing Marquez off already after just two races of not doing so great. It is much, much too early in the season to write anybody off of long-term ch- championship success.
1: Um,
0: yeah. So well, that
1: even Marquez said in one of his interviews that um, after the last two races, it was time to to push and to to win to get those points.
0: Oh, for sure. He said before this race and after this race that he felt it was so necessary that he had to push. He had to win to get some momentum back in that championship, Mm -hmm. to get the initiative back on things. And he really did do that. He won in Spectacular Faction. I believe when the race finally ended, he was a full three seconds or more ahead of the rest of the field. I think it was was closer
1: to four, but yeah. Which brings up that, so this race was not as on the edge of your seat exciting as some of the other races have been but it definitely brought the riders back into contention for the long term
0: no you're absolutely right the one that really caught me off guard because we've been so focused on this uh, Marquez Vinales drama in all the races that we tended to forget uh, Valentino Rossi the goat the greatest of all time he just has been con- finishing consistently on the podium every race. Sure enough, with Vinales out, Rossi is suddenly leading the championship. 56 points on that guy. Mm-hmm. Mar- followed by Vinales with 50 in third. And then Marquez has... D- 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 has 38, I think. He-, he has 38. He's 18... What is that? 18 points down? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, he, yeah, he's 18 points down from Valentino Rossi. So, it's back in contention. But yeah, to see Rossi, is it wrong of me? I think it would be hysterical to see Rossi win the championship this year without ever actually winning a race, just by being oh. the most consistent one out there. And that's absolutely possible. Oh,
1: definitely. There, there's a reason they call him the Sunday racer.
0: Um. Oh, they call him that because he does abysmal in the pre-race and all the other things. And everyone thinks, oh man, maybe this isn't his weekend. And then he just comes out and does incredible things. Definitely. Like clockwork. It's it's amazing. Um, speaking of Rossi, though you've gotta talk about <laughs> what happened with uh
1: the new American diplomat,
0: yes, with the new American diplomat
1: so um in one of the practices or qualifying, I don't remember which one it was it, it was exactly. qualifying, okay, um, it was in the second qualifying lap or session, wasn't it?
0: yeah, the fast qualifying session,
1: yeah. We um, did
0: not have, unlike in Argentina, there was no fluky weather that caused all of the factory riders to be in the slow qualifying session. So, things were more or less back in their natural order this weekend.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, that's true. So, Vinialis and Rossi were going around the track, and um, the Circuit of the Americas is so long. The lap times are 2 minutes and 5 seconds on average. Um, And that's fast, usually. Um, And so it's one that you can't, according to Rossi, he kind of says you can't really um, strategize the lap, which could be argued either way. Um, Regardless, Rossi did something. He, Yeah, he did something that Maverick didn't really like. He kind of pushed Maverick out of the line and. Um, is the first time we've seen the two riders really kind of have a disagreement.
0: Yeah, uh, Vinales did let him know. Rossi was sort of going a bit slower on the racing line than Vinales would have liked. Vinales was on a really hot lap, and that kind of threw off his lap time. And you only get so many chances in that short, short qualifying sessions just mm-hmm. a few minutes.
1: Yes, and Rossi didn't really know what was going on. He, at one point, Maverick... Vinales pulled up and kind of said what the heck dude and Rossi kind of looked at him like I don't know what you're talking about and um it was really interesting because the commentators kept trying to make it this big thing like oh there's gonna be trash talk and there's oh it's gonna be this shootout it's the first disagreement within the team and
0: which is kind of fair for them to say, because in Rossi's history, especially, well, he's been at Yamaha the whole time. He's always been the big dog. Every time they get another rider at Yamaha, they're one of the big teams. His mm-hmm. teammate is always going to be good. And whenever the teammate becomes his competition, friction go builds, and then walls go up in the garage, and it's teammate against teammate, and it's this whole civil war at Yamaha. So as soon as they see any sort of displeasure between the two writers, which was visible on the track. There's hand gestures being thrown at oh, each yes. other for crying out loud. Um, then it's the media, we already know what to expect. Like, oh, well, it's going to happen. We're going to have anger and trash being talked in press conferences and people not liking each other. And eventually somebody's going to go to another team. That's how it's going to work. Uh-huh. Um, that's which what I happened think to Lorenzo. Lorenzo's in Ducati it now. it kind
1: of happens when Rossi is mad at somebody, not really the other way around.
0: Interesting. I hadn't made that connection.
1: Because it's usually more dramatic when, like, the fight between Rossi and Lorenzo when Lorenzo did something and that Rossi didn't like. Or Rossi and Marquez when there was that whole thing two seasons ago um, with the championship.
0: You know, I wonder if that has something to do with his rabid fan base. Oh, probably. And he does have a rabid fan base. So, can you imagine being the writer that uh, Rossi's mad at, even if you didn't do anything wrong? And now, most of the MotoGP fans
1: hate him in the world suddenly <laughs>
0: hate your guts. Like, yeah. <laughs> whether or not that hate is legitimate, like, I, I can imagine that would give a lot, would really contribute to friction. So, yeah, I think I hadn't thought about that before, but I think that's a fascinating point. I wonder how true that is.
1: And I think that's partly why this time it didn't pan out, um, such to the fact that. And after qualifying in the interviews, um, even the commentator or the interview person, my mind is blanking. Um, well, first
0: of all, what did Vinales do in Park Fermi there? What did he do? What did he say? What, what are we talking about?
1: Well, his answer. That's what I was going to talk about. Oh, Okay. Yeah, because when the, when the guy even asked him, like, so, you know, what was that thing between you and Rossi? Is that a thing? And he turned into the most diplomatic person I've ever heard in my life, where it was just a, well, everyone gets mad at, at some point or another, and if you're in the heat of the race, then things happen, and it's fine kind of thing.
0: Yeah, he was very graceful and very tactful. No Rossi fans can be mad at Vinales yet. <laughs>
1: Well, in the other comments the commentators in the box even said that the U.S. should hire him as the Spanish diplomat because he was so diplomatic.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> that would that would be fantastic. Uh,
1: <laughs> Diplomats on motorcycles, saving uh-huh. the world one engine at a time.
0: And, you know, and that wasn't the only dramatics with Rossi this weekend. First, no. there was the hand gestures with uh, his teammate Maverick Vinales. But then on track in the race, we almost had a crash between Valentino Rossi and Johan Zarko. Um, on lap six, Zarco on the satellite Yamaha, this is the Frenchman who's a rookie in MotoGP, and he keeps doing awesome things. It's great. He led several laps at the opening race just out of nowhere on a satellite bike. It was fantastic. He keeps doing great things. Now, he was up there dueling and trying so hard to catch Valentino Rossi, and uh, he was fighting for fourth place, I believe. And uh, Rossi botched a turn before a big series of S's. Now, if you mess up that first turn, it throws off your line and everything for the n- whole series of things. So Zarko saw his opportunity and tried to pounce. It wasn't a very good pounce, but he tried nonetheless. <laughs> and they wound up very nearly crashing just side by side. Mm. It was really close. And Rossi kind of got forced off the track. Now, in getting forced off the track, he you know kept speed and regained the race. Or rejoin the race, sorry. And, um, but in doing so, that brought him closer to Marquez, who was currently running in second, chasing behind his teammate, Danny Pedrosa. The commentator saw that and said, wait a second. Rossi went off the track, effectively cutting a corner and gaining gaining an advantage by this. Now, granted, maybe he would have been passed, maybe he wouldn't. I think Rossi did have a fair point that if he had stayed on the track, then he would have had a crash, and they both would have been out, which would have been much much worse. But several laps later, race direction came in and said, okay, we've got a penalty for Valentino Rossi. At the end of the race, whatever his time is, we're going to add three-tenths of a second to it because we think that's about the advantage that he gained unfairly. This became a point of contention later on because as the race progressed, Marquez got his past his teammate Pedrosa. Uh, started to make his getaway. And then Valentino Rossi is also hunting down Danny Pedrosa. Now, had he finished behind Pedrosa, there was enough of a gap that it wouldn't be an issue. But what if he passed him and the gap between them was less than three-tenths? He would not have had second place. He would have had third. This would have displeased Rossi, and this would have displeased Rossi's fan base. Uh, Very much a pedantic thing, very much a petty thing. Fortunately, it was a non-issue because the gap was sufficient uh, that they we did not have that uh issue let's see um yes I, he was 1.7 seconds ahead of Danny Pedrosa when he finished in second at the end of the race um but yeah he very he was very unhappy about that after the fact he didn't find out <laughs> pits were the guys in the pits were trying so hard to figure out how to communicate this to these guys uh i believe it was Danny Pedrosa's team with the Honda
1: yeah they were <laughs> creating a handwritten sign in sharpie To try and (laughs) and convey that Rossi had a penalty.
0: Oh, yeah. Can you imagine, though? He's going by at a couple hundred miles an hour looking for effectively a poster board from Office Depot uh, written in Sharpie, and it says the word penalty. He's going to think the penalty's on
1: him. I think they had penalty 46. Number 46.
0: Um, Okay. To try Uh. and
1: say that it was Rossi, not.
0: Right, but I Danny. in the end, fortunately for everyone, I think they did not wind up showing that. But it was a nail biter there for a minute.
1: Oh it yeah, it really was. Um, well, and I loved that the commentators kept building it up, and like they were on the edge of their seats over this three tenths of a second penalty, which is huge, but
0: but not if you're one and one point seven ahead of the guy. Yeah. Uh, that was fun stuff. <laughs> we had a we had a lot more fun stories that weekend. Uh speaking of Pedrosa, uh why don't you tell us about his race because that was a great story. It was
1: like it was an amazing race. He had some trouble in qual in practice where he crashed out a couple times and um but had a good solid finish where he qualified he started on the grid at number in fourth position. Um and right off the bat, he just got ahead and got in the front and led for about, what was it, six or seven laps?
0: Sounds about right. That was a great start by Pedrosa. Oh, he definitely. Really, yeah. And
1: it was so nice to see Danny Pedrosa back in the game. Um, especially after last year when he was injured. Um,
0: oh, just for reference, I've got, I, my notes are showing Pedrosa passing on lap uh, lap eight uh, on turn seven of lap eight. Okay. Continue.
1: Um Yeah, and there was this fight between Mark Marquez and Danny Pedrosa for a little bit where one would pass. They changed places a few times. And then it settled you know Mark took off <laughs> and was never to be seen again um with his or you know his increasing gap. And then there was this battle between Pedrosa and Rossi and Valentino Rossi and um, that took most of the race where Valentino Rossi was sitting behind Pedrosa and just kept waiting and waiting and waiting until finally he um, passed Danny Pedrosa and then eventually took um, second place which I think in my notes I have I have it that um, Rossi, it's like the next-to-last lap.
0: Uh, could be. Yeah, it was pretty close. That's how the commentators were able to build up the potential of that three-tenths mm-hmm. possibly robbing him of his rightfully earned second-place finish. Uh, But fortunately, he really... Yeah, Pedrosa had a great start and great opening laps, but he was really suffering for pace towards the end. I wonder if tire degradation had anything to do with that. Um, well, it was
1: interesting because Mark Marquez had the hard hard option so hard front hard back rear tire and Pedro Danny Pedrosa was on the medium front and hard rear and I don't remember I I don't remember what Valentina Rossi chose for his race but I remember Rossi was
0: on the medium medium Okay I actually have a note of that for once
1: <laughs> But I think just <laughs> Danny Pedrosa is such a small rider, and he, I just think, in the turns, he just didn't have the braking. The...
0: You know, I've never heard of someone being a lightweight being a disadvantage in a motorsport. And yet, it comes up all the time with this guy.
1: But if you're having to throw the bike so much to go, like, turn it from left to right, especially in this on this track. I think it really kind of was a disadvantage for him um, because he had to be a lot smoother and safer and take less risks to just get through the track. And you can well, see that when you're watching Mark Marquez versus Danny Pedrosa.
0: Which we did see. That was, I think, the best racing we saw all weekend. was oh, definitely. Uh, those two teammates going head-to-head. Makes it hard to keep track of who's who because they're in the same colors. But,
1: <laughs> but the helmets were different.
0: The helmets were different. Mark Marquez represented his... Uh, status as the Spanish writer who likes America the most with his custom American flag helmet and boots provided oh, by his sponsors. Oh, I loved
1: them. With the Statue of Liberty on his boots, it was really Oh, funny.
0: yeah. I'm not even th- mad. Like you, I think you know... his
1: gloves were even red, white, and blue.
0: Were they really? I didn't see. Uh,
1: I-, I, I think that's great, Don't quote me though. on that, but I wouldn't be surprised.
0: No, I think it's great. I- I'm not even mad. You, you can... You can be a Spaniard. You can be from anywhere and get america out. I think it's fun. I think it's great, and I love that he's uh, you know, bringing the joy and the respect to uh, us, the fan base here in the U.S. He's
1: Well, especially since we don't currently have a U.S. rider in MotoGP. We have them Tears in um, World Superbike, and I believe there's one in Moto3.
0: Yeah, we occasionally get when uh, everybody else is injured, like Danny Pedroso was for so long last season, Uh, We had Honda riders from World Superbike, most notably Nikki Hayden, former GP champion, come back. And he did okay. It was fun to see. He's Mm -hmm. he's a really fun personality, and we hope to see more of Nikki in future races. Um, Let's see. What else do we have to cover?
1: Lorenzo. We have to talk about Lorenzo.
0: Oh, yes. Tell me about Lorenzo. He finally
1: showed up. He did. Lorenzo's (laughs) back. My, My notes for the first lap say Lorenzo is in it, which...
0: Well, we have to amazing. back up and remind our listeners, if there are any, who <laughs> is Jorge Lorenzo? Because he just hasn't been here, but he's a
1: big name. He's a huge name. Lore- Jorge Lorenzo. He, he's the anti-Rossi. Is... <laughs> That's true. Um, last year, he was um, a Yama- the factory Yamaha rider, and this year he's on the factory Ducati. And he hasn't done so well in the last two races. In fact, he's crashed. He did he crash out of both of them? Or I'm just not the sure. one?
0: I don't think he crashed out of both, but he finished so far back it was insignificant in at least one. Yeah.
1: Let me check really quick.
0: Still, I mean, this is the guy that Maverick Vinales took his spot. And the only reason mm-hmm. Lorenzo left Yamaha in the first place is because of feuding with Valentino Rossi. So, you know, that little fuel for the fire there. In any case, he went to Ducati to try and get out from under Rossi's shadow. But this guy is a three-time world champion. Silky smooth rider. Oh, I
1: love watching r- s- him. He's oh, just-
0: smooth as butter. Just, oh, it's glorious. Not as much fun for me to watch as someone like Marquez, who looks like he's going to fall off at any second That's and still true. makes it work, but uh, not nearly as dramatic. But he is just, you know, just like a scalpel when he's in form and uh-huh. he's, stuff seems to get to his head. But the guy is talented. The guy is fast. The guy is considered just as dangerous as Rossi or Marquez or as or Vinales ever were. But he's been struggling. He's been down there, and he really made a comeback
1: well, definitely. Um, I think it's just him getting used to the bike. And with him crashing out on the first turn last race, he didn't have the practice time or the he didn't have the the ride time to get used to this new bike because they they can't. It's not like they can go r- ride around the streets between races. That's right, there's a ban on testing. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Although, I I will throw it out there. Uh, Last season, the motorcycles all, they were starting to develop aerodynamics. They were putting wings on the bike. They called them winglets because they weren't big enough to be called a wing. And the Ducati had some of the biggest of them all.
1: And they banned them for
0: this season. And now Lorenzo, in the first test at the end of last season, when he was on the old bike that had just run a whole season, when he first time ever touching a Ducati, he did very well. He was very good on the old bike with the old fairing, with the old winglets on there. Excuse me. But as soon as those went away, he started to suffer. And I'm wondering, I wonder at what level that change in that downforce, that amount of extra grip coming from those wings was contributing to him doing so well. And what Ducati is kind of trying to have to do to make up for that.
1: But I also think that the 2017 bike isn't, it's just not as good yet. Because we have riders on the on the satellite Ducati bikes that are the 16 and 15 bikes that are doing really well.
0: Oh, and don't you dare write off Andre De Vizioso. He's been I phenomenal. He's, the other Ducati rider. Yeah, he's, he's placed he's... fourth in the championship, and he got taken out by Alicia Spargo in Argentina. So that's fourth in championship with being crashed out completely. That's true. But and but he yeah, he finished, that's enough...
1: what, fifth, sixth this time?
0: Mm, thereabouts. Uh checking my notes. Davizioso da, da, da. <laughs> was in sixth. Yeah. But followed Lorenzo, closely
1: behind uh um Iannone.
0: Oh yes, his former Which, speaking teammate. of
1: the winglets, did did you notice the Suzuki's um attempt at at doing their new fairing?
0: Oh yeah, everybody is trying to get because the rules say you can't have wings sticking out. But if you want downforce, a la Formula One, or, you know, cool spoiler on the back of your Civic, they can do that air ducting inside. So they're all putting these big bulging front nose on these things for the air to go through the inside. So the wings are still there. They're just hidden away, so you can't see them. I guess that's the rule right now. That seems to be what race direction has told them.
1: I guess. Um, I heard that it causes a lot of um, drag, though. So we'll we'll see it's any it'll any downforce interesting... causes drag well yes but more than last year so it'll be interesting to see if it actually stays
0: oh yeah I I don't know how it's, it is interesting to see I'm personally bummed that they removed the winglets just because it was an area of development <laughs> that we could finally see they never do aerodynamics on motorbikes because they have such a small frontal area to begin with it's That's never true. been an issue and now for the first time ever they're reaching the point where aerodynamics are becoming significant and they just nip it in the bud Mm-hmm. why Dorna why it certainly <laughs> couldn't be a safety issue it's not like something protruding from the bike will make it more dangerous because they're already flying around at 200 miles an hour with lots of spiky pointy bits sticking off mm-hmm. I don't think the things that snap off are going to be more dangerous but that's, uh, I'll just end my rant there um, <laughs> let's, let's go back to talking about Lorenzo because he did do pretty good he did he, he didn't do he... amazing but he did pretty good for him and he's he's back and we're glad you know
1: he qualified on sixth on the grid which is fantastic um considering that he didn't make it into qualifying to last race in argentina um and then he he kept he fought with Zarco a few times for battling between fourth and fifth place for a while and um then i don't know if it was tires or what that um They kind of got to him, but he, so he ended up finishing the race in ninth overall, but for him, one, to finish a race, and two, to, um, you know, have a good race, a good solid weekend is fantastic.
0: Oh, yeah. I, I will not, I don't think I'll forget anytime soon the joy on his face after qualifying in in sixth. sixth.
1: This Mm -hmm. is a
0: three-time world champion, and he just looked like it was Christmas morning. To get a decent qualifying lap in this season, that has just been so difficult for him.
1: Mm-hmm. I think we're gonna see start to see some big things from him, and maybe not big things like Maverick Vinales big, but at least you know he'll be in the win in the points.
0: I I would really like to see him win a couple of races. I mean, I think that factory Ducati is
1: they need go- a win capable
0: of it. They need a win big. I think the bike is, if it's not capable of it now, it's pretty darn close to it. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of development last season. Um, Ducati did have wins last season from both of its riders. Mm-hmm. so I, th- And I think Ducati needs to get his money's worth from the guy. So really, really looking for big things from them because all I really want in life is I want the big duel of titans, not just between the Honda rider, <laughs> Mark Marquez, Marky Mark, and the Top Gun Maverick Vinales, and the old greatest of all time, Valentino Rossi, also on the Yamaha. But I want to see another factory in there. I want to see Jorge Lorenzo in the thick of things and bring in Andre DiVizioso along with him. I think that would be great. All three of those factories really going toe-to-toe. Oh, just, oh Melt my heart with joy. Um, <laughs> although we we can mention some people who did not have such good weekends. Although one guy was really, really lucky. I want to talk about, while we're talking about qualifying, I will, I got to talk about Loris Baz. Loris Baz is a rider on a satellite Ducati, I believe. Um, let's see. Checking my notes here. I can't even remember what bike he's on, but he is definitely a satellite rider. He's uh, number 16. He's
1: 76.
0: on Ducati. He's on Ducati. Okay. He's on a GP-16, I think. And um, let's see. I got Petrucci. There you go. Uh, oh, no. Loris Baz. He's on the Aventia Ducati. He's on the GP-15, so a two-year-old motorcycle. Um, yeah, not 20th overall in the 2016 championship. A Little bit of a newer guy, doesn't have much of a storied history, not one of those people who usually gets mentioned alongside of the great ones in the sport. But in the end of his qualifying session, this was Q1, and he, just like in Q2, the flag had dropped, fast times were being set, and they were following him, and they saw his sector times, and lo, they were good. His sector times were so quick. It looked like he was going to knock. I just blanked on uh, Pedrosa, Danny Pedrosa. I just blanked on Pedrosa's name. I'm back. Hi. It looked like he was going to bump Danny Pedrosa from the second spot that was going to go through to the fast qualifying session. He was going that quick. And he was doing great. And we were all on the edge of our seats like, oh, is he going to knock the factory Honda rider from Q2? This is going to be great. On the last turn, the front end slides. Oh no, Loris Baz has crashed on the last chance to get a good qualifying lap. What are we going to do? Then, the back end slides. He's managed to slide both the front and the back end. He's (laughs) fallen completely over. The man is on his side. And then, lo and behold, the back tire grips. He sort of like lifts himself up with his elbow. And despite lots of wobbles and a great deal of time lost, he's back on the bike.
1: Yeah, he totally saved it. And he...
0: He fell and no, he was completely fallen over the guy was on the ground, and then he just wasn't anymore, yeah,
1: and it was wasn't it really wasn't any um it almost wasn't because of him, it was because of the bike that, like, yeah it
0: was it just a weird, on. yeah, it was a weird thing now, the rear tire gripped, and normally that would cause a high side where the rider gets just thrown in the air and a terrible kind of crash, but instead it was just gentle enough that it just picked him back up, mm-hmm. and he looked as surprised as anyone else to be not on the ground in the gravel. <laughs> And so when he pulled in, you see the footage of his team right there was just, it was just great because they, they see him go down and they, oh no, all the work and everything and all the disappointment and they were all ready to make him feel better after having lost out on his otherwise otherworldly lap that really for the, that old of a bike, he just was doing so good. And then, he, but then just the, that was overshadowed by the relief that he hadn't crashed. The real kicker of the whole thing though um, we find out the next day on race day that he put out a message on social media, on Twitter, I believe, of a photograph of, of his underpants from the previous day.
1: <laughs> of course Showing did.
0: to the world that they were, in fact, clean after this incident. <laughs> with the message, accompanied by the message, for any of you who were curious. <laughs> and it just brings us back to the press conference stuff. I love the sense of humor on these guys. I, I think that's great. Unfortunately lo- for him, yeah, he didn't do yeah. very well in the race he did crash out in the race, so his luck ca- did catch up with him, but that was going to be such a nasty crash
1: well, and I think you're you're i think he's actually fifteenth in the standings
0: is he really? My notes don't go back that far oh wait well, no yes, they do um it's 12, 13, 14, 15, 16th. he has nine points okay. in the championship right now.
1: I know I'm missing a writer, I realized, in my notes, so he, oh, okay. he's somewhere in there. So,
0: I mean, I don't know if he's one that I need to pay that much attention to right now. We have a lot of other names floating around. Usually the championship devolves into two or three guys that are really in contention, and then that's the end of it. But that's why we're loving this season, because we have so many names to talk about, and all of them mm-hmm. matter. And we've got these satellite guys. This guy in a two-year-old Ducati did something incredible. Lots of fun to watch. Great guy. Um... So he had a positive experience, but we had some other people with not-so-positive experiences. Now, little aside, in case you've forgotten, my special favorite team is the Other Factory. The one oh, that can't that's... quite seem to get things right.
1: <sighs> I felt so bad for them this weekend. Oh my gosh, just the worst. And
0: then their rider that had so much success in Qatar. He did really well. Um, a- Leish he, The poor guy just had the worst weekend of his life. He crashed out of every free practice session. He goes out in Q2 or Q one, the slow qualifying session. And in theory, he should be able to get to Q one fairly easily, except the Aprilia is just not there yet. And also in the same session you had the likes of Pedrosa and Rossi. So the two spots to go through were kind of already reserved for those guys. But he goes out and the rules in qualifying, you've got a very short amount of time and you, have, you start from the pits so that first lap around the track just doesn't count because you don't cross the start-finish line at speed. Then after you've done that, you cross that and you do that first flying lap. And from there, how good your times are determines how you progress in your starting position. He crashes most of the way through his first flying lap. He did the outlap and he's finally doing a timed lap and crashes takes him a while to get back to the pit to get back to their bike. But, oh, wait, the other bike is still kind of not quite put back together yet because he had crashed it previously. Mm-hmm. So he's in there, and they're trying to get it back together, and they quickly realize there's not enough time to put the bike together for him to go out, do an outlap, and then set a time, any time, to qualify. He didn't qualify. The guy didn't qualify. He had to start stone dead last from the grid.
1: And again, but- for our our listeners, you have to remember that This circuit is really long. It has 20 corners, and so, again, it takes them two minutes to do a whole lap.
0: Two minutes to do a fast lap. Two minutes and change. A slower lap, like an outlap, is going to be much slower than that, and the qualifying times are very, very short, only 15 minutes. So by the time he got back to his pits, and they're trying to put his motorcycle back together, there's only about, I think, five or six minutes left in the qualifying session. There just wasn't enough time. Mm Mm-hmm. There was not physically possible for them to get the bike put back together, get the man on it, get him out there doing a lap time that was at all significant. So the poor guy had to start from stone, dead last, but alas, his troubles were not over. He then had went on to have mechanical trouble in the race. So he got to spend a whole bunch of time in the pits, and just, it was a waste of a race for them. It was so sad. I believe he had an engine blow, um, and or not necessarily blow, but an engine fail significantly enough that it can't be repaired, that the engine just needs to be thrown away, which eats into his allotment of engines. They only get so many engines in the season. So just terrible all around. His teammate on the other Aprilia crashed out as well. Just tears of sadness. And it's, but it it makes matters worse because Alaysha Spargaro has a brother who's also in MotoGP, Paula Spargaro and you would think his brother would be able to bring him some joy and some light this weekend, but no. Paul Espargaro also crashed out and had lots of crashes, and it was just terrible, and it's a sad set.
1: They both started from the back of the grid.
0: Oh, yes. Uh, Paul Espargaro started in second-to-last position, but he actually set a qualifying time, just not a very good one. Yeah. So it was just bad. I feel a great deal of sadness for those guys, especially with the start that uh, Leish had in the opening round. Uh, I... You know, top six for Aprilia was a huge deal. We were, they were shooting for top 10. And I think they can do that with some consistency, except not this weekend. The stars aligned and it was just a bad, bad day to be on Team Grissini Aprilia <laughs> Racing. And so the poor guy just, oh, it goes out to, uh, my heart goes out to the guy. I really hope that better things do happen for him because he is a talented guy. Um, I don't know that he will ever be able to lump him in with the likes of the front runners but uh he's a talented guy he's a great guy on what i think is a great bike from a great factory Uh, they seem to be a lot more open than some of the other factories and they let the press in to see the way they make things and do everything and i like that ethos a lot um and so hopefully i want to see aprilia up there too but it's gonna it's not gonna be this year they're gonna be up there fighting for the win that's for sure
1: they're still fun to watch
0: No, they're fun to watch, and I like watching the progress. Well, because Aprilia is going through what Suzuki was going through a couple years ago. That's true. Suzuki was, I mean, they pulled out of the sport for a couple of years when the recession hit several years ago. And uh, when they came back, they were just behind on development. They were a brand new team again. And they're finally getting to the point where Suzuki is starting to nip at the heels of people. It's starting to get there. Um, Andre Iannone did finish the race, I believe.
1: Yes, and he won points. He has nine points now.
0: He does. You're right. Andrea Iannone has nine points, uh, ranked 15th in the champ. He came up seven positions in the point standings just by getting some points. <laughs> um,
1: well, to be fair, there's only one racer now out of the 23 that does not have points, and that is Sam Lowe's on Aprilia.
0: Oh, so sad. that.
1: And that's because he's crashed out of all three or had mechanical Problems. He's had He hasn't finished a race yet.
0: Okay, yeah, that'll do it. Um, let's talk about points. Um, we, did, we mentioned a lot of other things, but we might as well put it in context. Um, in case you forgot, whenever you finish a race in place 15th or higher, you do, do get one or more points that contribute toward the championship. They also get prizes, I believe. I, I think there's some sort of cash prizes and definitely prestige that come with just getting points. So that's a very big deal. Especially for the smaller teams. It gets them more money to keep racing the next year and that's very very important and um,
1: and the, something that we haven't talked about is that there kind of is two um championships going on at the same time where there's the rider championship and the manufacturer championship
0: with that in mind we're we're pretty much focused on the driver championship right now yamaha is destroying the the factory oh, championship yeah. they yeah they it's not even close but the riders are a lot closer. We've got Valentino Rossi on Yamaha, the greatest of all time, the GOAT, the old man who hasn't won a race yet, is winning the championship with 56 points. His teammate, Top Gun Maverick Vinales, the wonder kid, the guy who's been perfect until he crashed this last weekend with 50 points, down six, and he dropped from first place to second. Mark Marquez, though, finally ended his losing streak uh, he was fourth in Qatar, crashed out of Argentina, but then first place here in Texas. Yeehaw, the man has 38 points now, 18 down from Valentino Rossi, up six positions into third, and a, a legitimate threat for the championship once again. Andre De Vizioso on the factory Ducati with 30 points. Poor guy, did not have luck with him the other weekend, but he was able to bring it home, and... uh well, he did lose one position just because of Marquez shooting up through the ranks. Um, that is nice to see the factory Ducati up there right with the other factories. Beyond that, Cal Crutchlow on the not-quite-factory Honda. He's the only rider for his satellite team, but he is pretty consistently, I'd say, the fastest satellite bike out there. He's definitely the one that's most likely to grab podiums and uh, be up there. I think
1: Zarco's going to give him a run for his money this year, though.
0: Oh, Absolutely. I think Zarco just lacks the consistency.
1: Well, that's because it, it's his first time on these kind of bikes.
0: Yes, and that makes one crash. Mm-hmm. Never Marquez, who won a championship, is out here.
1: Well, Marquez is just an alien.
0: He's a weird person who just doesn't crash when he should. I and think crashes when he, he shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, but Cal Crutchlow, in fifth place, Beating out the factory Honda of Danny Pedrosa Um, and then some factory Suzuki's and Aprilia's. But, yeah, that's really big to see Cal Rutschlow doing that. The guy just last year won a couple of races and really made himself a legitimate face in the sport. I mean, he was always legitimate. All these guys are incredible human beings. But he's one of those people that gets talked about every weekend like clockwork Mm -hmm. because he's always out there. He always says what he feels. So great to see that. And I do think it's a lot of fun to see the championship thrown up in the air like that. Definitely. Yes, we're three races in. Yes, first place gets you 25 points. But like we saw with both Marquez in Argentina and Vinales here in Texas, you don't know when the universe is going to conspire against someone and make them crash in an otherwise great position. You don't <laughs> know when someone's entire weekend is going to get thrown away and it's all going to get jumbled around like that. Some Most of these guys are pretty consistent, but... The championship ship is completely up for grabs with many more races to go in over many more months. Anything else we need to cover?
1: No, I think that was it. Um, just to remind our listeners that we are not part of the media. We are just two fans who liked to, to fangirl it out with a, <laughs> over a microphone.
0: <laughs> you like my fangirl giggle?
1: <laughs> yes, I do.
0: Yeah, yeah I'm going to work on that.
1: You've been working on that. You should, You should. Know, you should work on that. I, A little okay,
0: more. just just for you, just for all the listeners.
1: <laughs> I feel so special now. You should. Um, And then uh, we oh, should ahead. talk about our email. We now yes. have an email.
0: Feel free to contact us with any questions or more likely criticism of our broadcast uh, at podcast at gmail.com. Will you feel spell that to, out? M-O-T-O-N-O-O-B-S podcast, no spaces. I think you can spell podcast at (laughs) gmail.com. Feel free to contact us there. You can also send us messages. If you listen to our podcast on SoundCloud, you can send notes, comments, whatever, at timestamps to let us know uh, what big dorks we're being or how horribly wrong our facts are. Um, And what
1: you want to know. Because, again, this is for the newbie MotoGP fan.
0: It's true we we're we're pretty new to watching this ourselves. We just have one season under our belts and uh we we want to make it a little bit more of a fun experience for everybody else that's just discovering this fantastic sport as well. Yes. So with that, I believe that is our show for the round 3 uh in Texas. Look forward to our next look forward to the race in Jerez, Spain. The MotoGP goes home to Europe here in 2 weeks and we will be this will be posted on iTunes and SoundCloud shortly thereafter thanks so much
1: bye